So the message that I have today is this. Fill the earth with his glory. This is a call to you and a call to me to fill his earth, fill the world we live in with his glory. And it's hard to fill the earth with the glory of God when you're hoping that the world ends today. So I want us to begin to have a bigger picture. As human beings, we're always going to no deal with our mortality. We're going to wonder, like, when are things going to end? And when are things going to be over for us? That, that's just natural in every generation. But here's, here's the truth. I want us to give some further analysis of the times we live in. We've had a good 75-year run of not being in a world war. And, and I hope that continues. We, we don't know if it will, but I mean, we, we try to make decisions to keep us out of a world war. In the last 75 years, lots of wars have happened and lots of atrocities have happened. But at least globally, we haven't been in a situation where the known world, well, now the whole world, because we know the whole world, has been at war. So that's good. Another thing that we don't really fully recognize is that life expectancy is much, much longer than it was even 20 or 30 years ago. So people who are our age, the age you are now, 30 years ago would have been expected to live uh, less in this life than someone who's alive today. And, And the further you go back, the shorter life expectancy is. And so a lot of our social systems are, are set up in a way where life was only supposed to go so far, and we've extended that. And so that's, that's good news for, for many of us. We know this, that as people who are part of God's family, as Jesus people, that our life is never going to end. I mean, we, we're going to live into eternity, so when we take our last breath here on this earth, we're still going to live forever. So between that now and that time, I want to encourage you through the scripture to fill the earth with the glory of God. Well, what is the glory of God? The glory of God is manifested in his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is manifested in the lives of believers who have fully and completely trusted him. So that's us. So we want to fill God's world with his glory by being people as human beings who reflect his glory. So in my devotions recently, I came across this Psalm, Psalm 72, 19, and it says this, blessed be his glorious name forever. Here's a great prayer. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. So let every part of this globe be filled with the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the glory of the Lord. Let more and more people come to know who Jesus is. And then when we come to know who Jesus is, it begins to impact every sector that a human being touches. So I I believe this, that the glory of God should and does touch every single sector that involves human beings. So God wants to be glorified in agriculture. God wants to be glorified in government. God wants to be glorified in entertainment. God wants to be glorified in every single aspect that affects human beings because human beings are God's preeminent creation and they reflect his glory above all things. So I'm calling you, I'm calling myself to fill the earth with the glory of God and for moms, for mother figures, for aunts, 
for grandmothers, for neighborly, uh, neighborly people who operate in that spirit of motherhood. You are helping to fill the earth with the glory of God by impacting other children and other young adults and, and, and some, I guess, impacting older people. You could be 97 years old and be a mother to someone who's 77 years old. So those numbers don't necessarily apply. Um, they, they don't stop. You never stop being a mom. You never stop being a parent. You always do that. So I want to talk a little bit about history. And before you groan, before you groan, because I've done this poll before, I know like half of you are like, yes, we're going to talk about history. And the other half are going to be like, oh, no. But I want to suggest to you that all of you should like history um, if you realize that history is actually just story. So I, I'm accused of liking history, but there's some things in history I don't enjoy. Like I don't enjoy analyzing the, the clay pottery of the Sumerians 5,000 years ago. And that's just like really boring. So like wor- early world sieve, that was just terrible for me. Because like who cares about the pottery of the Sumerians back then? Um, somebody cared who wrote this textbook, but I don't care right now. And so history becomes this, this we, we begin to equate it with tests and with quizzes and with deadlines and with papers. And so that's why we're like, oh, I don't want to talk about history. But, you know, history really is story. And and the, the, the history that kind of becomes part of who we are often comes through song. And so some of the songs that we really love have told the story of history. Um, a lot of you who have no, you think you have no interest in history, but the truth is um, cinema has made a story come to life instead of just like a fact, you're trying to memorize a date, you're trying to memorize uh, a name, you're seeing on the screen in your home or back when we used to go to movie theaters, you're seeing um, history in story form. And so I want you to cultivate your story and tell your story because that's part of the way you bring God's glory to the earth. When we begin to become, become storytellers, we tell the story of Jesus. So we're going to look at Psalm 98 in three sections. You can, if, you, if you said, I've never read a chapter in the Bible, 25 minutes from now, you'll be able to say, I've read a chapter in the Bible because we're all going to look at this chapter together. So uh, my first point today is we worship through recognizing history, which is really we worship by telling the story of God, by discovering and cultivating and verbalizing that story, starting with verse 3 of Psalm 98. Sing a new song to the Lord. One of the reasons we sing songs is because song tells stories. For he has performed wonders. His right hand and the holy arm have won him victory. Now, let me just talk to you for a second here. So, Pastor Aubrey, like, he's like the... He's like the world's best at pulling the most obscure song that you have forgotten about. And when you least suspect it, he like pops it into a worship set. That's just like his deal. When he was like 20 years old, he was doing that stuff. You know, now, I, mean, I know he doesn't look 40, but he's 41. I don't know. I just want to share that. I know he's, he's, like, he's like Peter Pan forever, the, the child leading us with his whimsical way. But um, like, he's like the expert, like throwing these songs in. So like today, like we're singing songs that were written in this um, century, which was good. And then he throws in, you know, let there be a sweet, sweet sound 
in your ear. And he throws it. Man, I went right back to 1984 because that song was hot in 1984, man. It was like you were like on the cutting edge if you were singing that song. But I begin to have memory of, of my spiritual heritage. And that's why song does bring back memory. So someday we'll be, you know, singing these songs when we're old and, and, and we'll remember these times in, in, in 2021. And so, so here it is, is that his right, sing a new song for his right hand won him victory. Look at verse two. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of nations. Now, for those of you who are on you version, the ESV says he's, re- he's revealed his salvation to the nations. And you begin to see how God is moving with even within people groups and nation states. Verse 3, he's remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. So when you begin to see that the hand of God is moving within the nations of the world, it can begin to be a testimony to you. Like our nation, we know that our nation was birthed with this concept of individual liberty. And the motivation for that is that we should have the freedom to worship who we want to worship, where we want to worship, when we want to worship. The government is not going to get involved in all that. that. That's the genesis of our nation was started on that because we really believed and our forefathers believed that when there's religious freedom and, liber- and there is religious liberty, that people will choose Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people unto myself. So, so that was kind of the start of our country of like, it's okay, whatever religion you are, you can come here, you can be part of this country because we are founded on religious liberty that God's people or any people can meet anywhere at any time to worship the God they choose. That's why I choose Jesus. Why don't, do you guys agree? We choose Jesus and we're going to choose Jesus every time. And so this, this is a, a testimony of, of just an incredible opportunity we've had these last 240-something years to choose Jesus without government intervention. And that is a gift, and that is a blessing to us. The nation of Israel, verse 3, talked about God's faithfulness to Israel. And this keeps popping up in my sermons. I just kind of throw this in every once in a while, and I'm glad I do. Because the nation of Israel and the fact that since 1948, it was, has been an established country, a homeland for the Jews to return to, a safe haven for people who have been persecuted in every century. century, um, There's been some form of genocide against the Jewish people. It's an antichrist spirit that hates the Jews. And we know that because out of the Jews were birthed Jesus and birthed the message that we have today. So every time you see Israel prosper, every time you see Israel, the state, the nation state, defy the odds. And as a very small country at a very small location, surrounded by enemies, when Israel thrives, it's a testimony that God is faithful to his people and God is faithful to his word. It is a story of God's faithfulness unfolding before our eyes. And if God is faithful to those people whom we love, he's going to be faithful in your life. This is the story. So this is the big story of nations. But now let me talk about you. What's your story? You know, because there's been a time when you were at a place that you, it was tight financially. Like it was, it was just tight. 
and God came through in an unexpected way. And I, I want you to rediscover and cultivate those stories and tell those stories because it's very important that the people in your life, the people that gather around tables with you, the people that you drink coffee with, can hear what God has done for you. This is a history that I'm talking about. I'm talking about your history, not the stuff from textbooks. I'm talking about this, this story that's in your heart today. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to discover there have been so many healings that we have not given God full glory and credit for. Because think about this. This has probably happened to you, and I know it's happened to someone that you care about. There's a doctor's appointment coming up, and the prognosis seems really poor, and the outcome seems likely. And you pray, and between the time you pray and you hear the first report, and when you go to the second report, things have improved. It's not as bad as you thought. It wasn't the outcome you expected. I think we're going to discover that God did a lot more healings between the first diagnosis and the second appointment when we prayed, but we just kind of forget about that, don't we? I'm calling you to remember that and remember those stories and share those stories because part of the way that you bring glory to the earth God's glory to this whole world is when you can identify the stories that have shaped you and formed you and you can share them again. I was thinking about my two grandmothers. I had two wonderful grandmothers and they were both storytellers. And some of their stories were just fun and enjoyable to hear. But many, many of their stories were about God's intervention and about God's power, and about, about God breaking in. And I'm glad I had that time with them. Well, whoever's involved in your life, don't back down from telling the stories of the Lord. You may think, well, my story's not significant, and no one cares about my story. That's part of the enemy trying to distort that, or trying to silence you, or trying to marginalize you. No, your story is alive in your heart, and it's going to make a big difference to the person that you tell it to. You can read later on uh, the epistle, 1 John 5, 1 through 5, that shares about God's victory in the nations and in the whole world. Here's the second point I want to address today. We see in this psalm, in Psalm 98, that we worship God through art. We worship God through art by making something beautiful in this world. When we live as if the world is going to come to an end... Notice I didn't say that, you know, we don't live not expecting the return of the Lord. There's a, there's a difference. Jesus is going to return physically, visibly, and he's going to return to this earth. And that's what we're longing for. That's what we're looking for. We're longing for that. But we don't live people who are just going to hole up in a cave and, and just hide out until the world comes to an end. A lot of the reasons why great art is not, produced in, is not produced is because people have become so closed up that they're not offering their gifts to the world. And I want you to see that clearly. You have a gift. You have a gift within your hands, 
You have a gift within your personality. You have a gift with the way you think. You have a gift on the way you express. And whatever gift you either have or that you're discovering, I'm gonna tell you this. Fill the earth with the glory of God through the gifts he has given you. Worship God through art. Look at verse four. Let the whole earth shout to the Lord. Be jubilant. Shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with a lyre, with the lyre and the melodious song, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout, shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord our King. So you see there that the psalmist is calling for musicians, musicians who sing, or the musicians who play specific instruments and play them well. I've noticed that as I've, I read through the Old Testament, which, man, that's not an easy thing to do. If, 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 if it's reading through the Old Testament, it's pretty tough, but it's something that's worth doing. So the last time I read through the Old Testament, it took me about, well, I just finished it last week. It took me about 16 months to get through the Old Testament. And man, there was some awesome insight in there. But man, there were some tough, tough chapters. But one of the things that comes up a lot in the Old Testament is playing skillfully before the Lord playing good before the Lord. And so they didn't just let anyone who wanted to play, play. They let the people who were skillful at playing. Like, guys, listen, I play the guitar and I know most of the chords, but there's one thing that's kept me from being on stage and playing the guitar. I lack a, an important quality called rhythm. I don't have rhythm. So because I don't have rhythm, I don't necessarily play the guitar skillfully. Here's my deal. All of us can improve. I can improve as a speaker. I listen to myself speak. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so many technical things I can do to improve. And so we're all in, we're all in the, you know, in the process of improving. But if you're going to play for the Lord, keep getting better. Keep practicing. Don't just, you know, don't just play, you know, just to, just to fill up a stage or fill up a children's room. If you're going to play for those kids back there, play with all your heart and with everything that's within you because you have a gift and you have a gift to share. And when you share that gift, when you share that gift, it fills the earth with the glory of God. So now this isn't just music now. Thankfully for someone like me, it's not very musical. It's not just about music. It's also about other skills. In, in the book of Exodus, as God was giving instructions through Moses on how the people were going to worship, I want you to see another way people are anointed to worship God through art. Exodus chapter 35, starting with verse 30. Moses then said to the Israelites, look, the Lord has appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Now look at this. He has filled him with God's spirit. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. This guy's filled with God's spirit. I wonder if he's going to be the revival preacher coming in. I wonder if he's going to be the camp speaker or if he's going to be the latest worship artist's sign because he's filled with the spirit. Now look at this. With wisdom, understanding, and ability in every kind of craft. That's pretty, that, that's, that's crazy. God, God, Filled them with the spirit to be craftsmen. 
Verse 32, to design artistic works in gold, silver, bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting and to carve wood for work in every kind of artistic craft. Verse 34, he also gave, given both of them, and it talks about specific people in the tribe of Dan that you can read there too. The ability to teach each other. So this idea of passing on a skill, this idea of teaching or, or, or mentoring or having apprentices in skills is an important part of what we do in the faith. In verse 35, he has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work of a gem cutter, a designer, an embroiderer. So, so some of you who like to work with cloth, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, a weaver. They can do every kind of craft and design artistic designs. So God's original plan with this really small group of people who pr- proportionately was a small amount of people compared to the rest of the world population when this was written. It was like, I'm going to anoint people, fill them with my Holy Spirit, give them special tasks to be artists, to do something great for me, uh, to, to create something beautiful in this world. And there's a lot of the stuff that you guys can, some of you guys can do with, with uh taking some wood scraps and you can make beautiful furniture, taking metal scraps. And it's not just music and it's not just physical things. Some of you are just so skillful with, with the way you put words together. And you can, you can say something so appropriate at the right time. You can, you can fill a room like with this feeling of hospitality because of what you do in your home and how you offer your home. Some of you the way you write can bring God glory. And it used to be not that long ago, 20, 25 years ago, for sure, that like three people could give their opinion at the back of the newspaper, the three opinion news writers. Now, all of you are journalists and all of you can write opinion pieces through social media. And some of you are really good at it. Some of you, I really want you to improve at it, but some of you are really good at it and you can you can bring glory to God and you can bring Christ-like qualities by the way you craft words and the timing of words and the way you encourage people. And this is a form of art. You're bringing glory to God. So whatever skill you have, the spirit of God that is on you and in you, you're bringing glory to God in the earth. You're filling the earth with God's glory. If you're a landscaper or if you just enjoy Hanging out in the gardens. Make that, you know, make that front porch garden something that glorifies God. As employers, you know, whatever job we're given, we're called to bring God glory in our work. And so we bring God glory by doing the best job possible. We don't cut corners, right? We don't just find out how do we just get by and reach the minimum so we can get our money, We exceed expectations because when we exceed expectations at our job, we bring God's glory to the earth. Every single interaction, every choice, the way we live our lives brings God glory to the earth. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. Worship through stewardship and human flourishment. Meaning this is that whatever God has given us, 
we take care of. If you're renting an apartment, you should leave that apartment better than when you found it. If, if, you, if you have a job, you should cherish that employment. You should cherish that opportunity. We steward the gifts God gives us. We take care of our homes. We take care of our neighborhoods. We take care of what the Lord has given us. Now, guys, I know this is that in the political realm, there's different approaches on how to solve problems. And, and, you know, I don't want to touch any of that at all, okay? But I do know this is that something we can all agree on is, like, it's not God's will for us to just, like, throw trash on the side of the road. I remember I had a relative that, that I don't know if anyone had this experience. He, he, um, he had a pickup truck, and I, re- I remember riding with him. And he could roll down his window and put his bag of food, his trash, at just the right angle, open his hand, and the trash would go in the back of the cab. Do you, any of y'all remember that? I mean, that was like back when it was, you know, littering wasn't considered the 11th commandment, you know, uh, breaking God's commandment. But yeah, this guy, man, he was pretty amazing. He could put his hand out, open the trash, and the trash would go into the back of the cab. And so, you know, it was like if you miss, it wasn't a big deal back then, you know, if you, you wouldn't get fined or whatever. But I, I think this is that we all know that as God's people, that that, you know, trashing the places we've been is unbecoming and it's disrespectful to the creator. And, and it's, it's a habit forming, uh, uh, it's a lazy habit that pushes into any other areas of our life and makes us disregard, you know, who God cares about the most, which is people. So Psalm 98 verse seven, it says, let the sea resound and everything in it. This is finishing the psalm, verse seven. Let the sea resound and everything in it. The world and those who live in it resound. Verse eight, let the rivers clap their hands. Hopefully not, you know, muddy rivers with a bunch of trash floating on them, but actually clean rivers. That's stewarding the earth. That's caring about God's creation. Let the mountains shout together for joy. Mountains that you can actually see that are visible with the, with the eye. Now here's the part. For he is coming, the part that's so relevant to us. For he is coming to judge the earth and he will judge the world righteously and the people fairly. And that's why we are looking. We are looking for Jesus to fully assert his reign on the earth. We know this, that now our earth is temporarily, the scripture makes it very clear, under the rule, under the temporal rule of spiritual forces and wicked places. And that's why so much evil and wickedness has its day. That's why sin is so prevalent. That's why it's not hard to be exposed to sin. It's not hard to find sin. It's not hard to see corruption. It's not hard to become corrupt. This is the present age we live. But this world and this present age is passing away. And Jesus is going to come and he's going to judge us fairly and righteously and accurately. And we don't have to wonder if there's anything hidden. We don't have to wonder if there's anything that is behind the scenes that we're going to discover late, later. Because we know that Jesus judges us fairly. Look at, look at that last verse again, verse 8. I believe, verse nine, the Lord, he is coming to judge the earth 
and he will judge the world righteously and the people fairly. That means that even those who have been overlooked because they've been walking in righteousness and holiness and dignity, and this world is not worthy enough to recognize their greatness, Jesus is gonna make sure that they are recognized. For those who are getting earthly fame, an earthly acclaim, an earthly recognition, but it comes from a corrupt heart, an unredeemed heart. It comes from motives that are impure. We can rest assured that Jesus will make those things right. That's why we don't have to judge those. We trust the righteous judge. We trust that Jesus is gonna bring glory to the earth by judging all of us, and that judgment's gonna be fair. Until then, until Jesus shows up again, what are we to do? Are we to hide? Are we to curse the earth? Or are we to bless the earth? Are, are we to turn away from this life as if it's not consequential, the days we live in, and God wasn't sovereign to put us on the earth for such a time as this? Or has he called us to become people who worship him, through discovering and telling his story, his history, by making beautiful things through art and by taking everything he's given us, things that are physical and things that are, that are spiritual and taking those and stewarding them so every person will flourish around us. And I just wanna say this to, to mothers as we come to a closing. And for those of you who operate in the spirit of motherhood, that's what you have done. You have provided an environment and invested in, in, in children, invested in adult children so that they could bring glory to the earth. And God has done that through you. And I honor you for that. Let's join together in prayer now. Father, we, we come before you and we begin to, we, we pray that Psalm 98 would mark us today, would help us think differently would help us think differently about the days you've given us, about the future ahead of us. Lord, that we wouldn't despise what we have. Lord, we would take what we have and we would make it the best for the glory of God. I wanna bring you glory in every single thing I do. I fall short of that, Lord, but you're helping me. And I bless you and I thank you for that.